Today is homework. It's one of my little quizzes here, research-based quizzes here. All right, here we go. First question. According to Dr. Harris Cooper of Duke University, the country's leading researcher on homework, true, what is the relationship between homework and achievement for high school students? All right. Option A, no correlation. Some of you are like, oh, I hope so. B, very little correlation. C, moderate correlation. D, high correlation. E, homework. Who does homework? All right, what's the correlation? Answer, I believe it's moderate correlation. Oh, boo. Okay, next one. According to Dr. Harris Cooper, a typical seventh grader should be assigned no more than A, 15 to 20 minutes of homework, B, 30 minutes, C, 70, D, 90. Any seventh graders here? Raise your hand if you're a seventh grader. What do you think? How many should it be? You, is that what you think it should be, or is that what you think it is? Okay, she wishes it wouldn't be. She thinks it's B, but the correct answer actually is C. His research shows that for every grade, it ought to be no more than 10 minutes. So first grader, 10 minutes. Second grader, 20 minutes. Third grader, 30 minutes. But he also recommends no homework on weekends. Are you serious? Yes, Monday through Thursday only. All right. So get Dr. Harris Cooper's research to your high school teachers. All right, next one. According to research, what percentage of teenagers fall asleep while doing homework? A, 12%, B, 22%, C, 43%, and of course, D, homework, who does it anyway? Correct answer, B, 22%. All right, next question. Uh, many countries with the highest scoring students on achievement tests have teachers who assign little homework. A, true, B, false, C, none of the above, just to mess with your head. All right, correct answer is true. All right, next question. Which list below includes some of those countries with high achievement scores and little homework? A, Japan, Denmark, Czech Republic. B, Japan, USA, Singapore. C, Denmark, USA, Finland. D, Greece, Thailand, and Iran. The answers? Answers, correct answer is A. The actually lowest one, and go back for a second, go back. The lowest one actually is D. They assign them, they assign high homework and they have low achievement for those lower, those countries below there, all right? All right, next one. We're almost done here. According to University of Michigan study for children ages 3 to 12, the single strongest predictor of student achievement is A, 20 to 30 minutes of daily homework, B, 30 minutes of daily homework, C, doing homework while watching SpongeBob SquarePants, or D, none of the above. Correct answer? Okay, this is a trick question. The correct answer is actually D. The single strongest predictor of student achievement is family dinner time. Yeah, I hear, yes, I hear from a mother of small children, yes, <laughs> all right, interesting though, and so some of you are thinking, mom, can we just eat dinner together and can I skip my homework, all right, that's a strategy you can try, that will help me, if I'd rather do dinner mom than homework, all right, so some of you are teenagers, that works, all right, next one, okay, here's what I'm going to do though, and even all my talking about homework and talking about maybe it not being that beneficial and most of us, none of us have high attitudes about homework, but I'm going to give you a homework assignment, all right? Uh, and you're like, oh, great. That's the last thing I need is a homework assignment from church and uh, do I get graded on this? Does God grade me on this? Whatever. So anyway, uh, Bill, do you have some, where's Bill? Had those things passed out for me? Where'd he go? Did you, did my wife give you those things? Okay, good, good, good. Yes, my wife actually did what I asked her to do, which she usually does. All right. I don't, I, 
Let me backtrack on that one there a little bit. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> and I usually do what she asked me to do. How's that? Does that get me out of that one? I want everyone to take one of these. I don't care if you're seven years old or 70. I don't care if you're with your husband or wife. I want everybody to take one. All right. So uh, let me get some of the, yeah, just, <laughs> I used to be a junior high math teacher. So some of you who don't like math can boo appropriately. And I've actually taught some courses that I use. So one of my funnest times is actually the passing out of papers and counting off and doing this, you know, the licking of the thumb. And <laughs> so um, anyway, anyway. So while these are being passed out, I want everybody to take one, even if you're not a regular excess person, if you're from out of town, I, I know there's some dads here today for Dad's Weekend with some of your college daughters and other parents and other visitors from out of town, and Bloomington's a friendly town, you're welcome here, so anyway. And let me explain where this comes from. I've talked about, if you've been to the last couple weeks, you've heard me say a few things about this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the application first and then talk about some other, kind of the why behind it here, all right? What we've been doing the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Gospel of John, kind of the Thursday night conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. Thursday night he was betrayed, he was then arrested that night, tortured, brutalized, uh, crucified on a cross the next day, rose from the dead on that Sunday. But Thursday night takes up five chapters of dialogue, a lot of it monologue, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, giving them kind of the last challenge, last words. And what well, we go to the next one. Um, We've already talked about some of these, this passage here, but let me just highlight a couple things, and then I'll get to this as about why we're doing this. One of the things Jesus said in the midst of this conversation, again, think of it, there was a table about so long, oblong, rectangular table. Jesus and his disciples were taking the Passover meal, which was a religious meal commemorating their escape from Egypt. It was a religious thing. It was something they did every year during this Passover week. It was Thursday night. There was lamb. There was unleavened bread. There was wine, all kinds of stuff. They would have finished the meal, and Jesus would be just carrying on this conversation with them. So they're, they're finished the meal. There's no, you know, NFL football to watch, so Jesus talking, you know, that, but they're done. They're done with the meal, and he's talking, all right? And one of the things, among other things, he says, and from verse 14 of chapter 14, ask me, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Jesus says that like four times in the course of this evening. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. All right? Say that, read that out loud with me, all right? Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus said that, all right? Promise. Then he goes on to say, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because he's looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is talking about he's going to do, if we ask him, he'll do it. Then he also says, I'm sending you this being, this person called the Holy Spirit. And again, they were a little bit knowledgeable, but they were somewhat clueless because they, this thing hadn't unfolded yet. But they're probably just as cloudy as probably some of us today even feel about the Holy Spirit. A little bit cloudy. What does this mean? What is he talking about? And then I talked, and this was uh, the Thursday night, and he was you know, betrayed, crucified, rose from the dead. Five weeks later, 50 days or so later, he's been ascended. He's talking to disciples. He tells them to wait for the gift that I told you I'd give you, which was the Holy Spirit. That was the gift. And again, he talks about the Holy Spirit four or five different times on this Thursday night. So again, some of those things you get the sense that Jesus was trying to say, you got to get this. Ask me anything in my name and I'll do it. I'm sending you to the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you and he will 
remind you and teach you, he'll lead you, all right? He tells him this, and then on the day of Pentecost, penta meaning five, 50 days, 50 days after the Passover, that's where the word Pentecost comes from, 50 days after. They're waiting in this upper room, they're, they're confused, they're perplexed, they don't know why Jesus ascended to heaven, they're still trying to figure out, and they had this dramatic supernatural experience where God invades them in significant ways. Ordinary people, keep in mind, these were, these were men and women who had been ordinary people, kind of discouraged, they'd failed Jesus, they'd messed up, they were no different than you and I. Sometimes discouraged, sometimes messed up, sometimes disappointed in ourselves, all right? So they were no different than you and I. They weren't like super saints at this point. And the Holy Spirit came on them in an incredible way. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, Peter's interpreting what happened because these people became emboldened in really in, in supernatural ways. They became bold in terms of proclaiming what they knew about Jesus. And Peter quotes from, the, from the, one of the old prophets, Prophet Joel, from hundreds of years prior, because people are, people are wondering what's going on. And Peter's explaining to them, and he said, this is what's going on. God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. That's what God said he'd do. And that's what he's just done, Peter said. And this, my guess is the disciples who were sitting in that room may have flashed back over the last couple of weeks and realized, oh, this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, I'm going to send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you. He's going to... He's going to embolden you. He's going to teach you in ways you've never imagined. All right? So this whole phrase, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Say that phrase with me. I will pour out my spirit on all people. All right? Now go to this, because this, this is where this, uh, I'll call it a homework assignment, but let me say this up front. There may be one thing on here you think, I can do that. And that, that's okay if it's all you do. So this is different than your homeschool, or this is different from your homework assignments in college or high school. I'm saying if you can't do it all, do a few things really well. Wouldn't you love to have a teacher like that, all right? All right? We're all about, you know, freedom here, okay? Now, here's three things I'm asking you to do overall. And I'm asking you to start this tomorrow, 10-10, to the 20th November, which is a Sunday, 11 10-10, 11-20. 10-10, 11-20. Say that with me. 10-10, 11-20, now, here's three, here's three things I'm asking you to do as, and I'm calling it homework, but let's just say there, I'm asking you to try some habits spiritually that I really believe will help you connect, not only connect with God, but when Jesus said, if we ask him, he'll do it, I'm giving you some real simple things and challenges I'm self, myself I'm taking as well. Simple ways to ask Jesus for things. All right, here's the first one. Go to the next one. Okay, go to the next thing. First thing on your list, I will pray. All right? Out loud, I'm asking you to do this. And again, you may not forget. Remember, this is not meant to be a legalistic thing. Oh, I forgot yesterday. I messed up the whole assignment. God's not going to bless me. That's the point. Out loud, once a day, try to remember to simply say, Jesus, would you pour out your spirit on me? Start with yourself. I've done that. I've practiced this the last few weeks. I've done it when I'm driving my car, riding my bike, in the shower. I don't get up every morning and like, oh, I got to do the list. Some of you may be that kind of people. If you are, then fine. Take the list and put all your check marks on it you want to. If you, if you love checking things off. And that works for a lot of people. Uh, so Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. All right, say that out loud with me. Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. Now close your eyes for a second. 
now address it to Jesus as much as you know how to address it to Jesus. Now say the same thing. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus, pour out your spirit on me. All right, and I'll, we'll talk a little bit about that when I'm done with this, about what, what we're asking him to do there. Also, then I want you to pray your immediate family members in Bloomington, or if you're on the dorms, or you're a student, maybe some friends of yours. So, you know, I've been praying, Jesus, pour out your spirit on Kathy, my wife. Pour out your spirit on Gretchen. And, and again, I say it out loud, not because you're supposed to pray out loud, because it's just something different that's helped me kind of, kind of jumpstart some things in how I think about prayer. I mean, don't, I mean, don't walk down, you know, the sidewalk on Kirkwood and yell it out. I mean, unless God tells you to. But I just whisper it to myself. And, and sometimes their family dinner table, I'll just say, Jesus, pour out your spirit on us. Amen. I mean, it's a real short prayer. Nobody's going to accuse you of praying too long. All right? Second thing I'm going to encourage you to pray for is this. Go to the next one. On the back side, you'll see a list of not all, but some, what I'm calling Christ-centered churches in Bloomington. And I'm going to ask you to choose two pastors, two churches. And let me explain the, the separation of the two. In the gray section of the above, uh, those, uh, those are churches and pastors that have a significant history with Exodus Church. And they also have a significant history in Bloomington. Those eight pastors have been in Bloomington serving for 159 years total, almost an average of 20 years apiece. So I'm going to ask you to pick one of those pastors... And as much as you can remember it, again, ideally every day, but it may not be every day. You know, it may just be whenever you remember it. You might say, Jesus, pour out your spirit on Bruce Rose. Pour out your spirit on Second Baptist Church. God, would you do something in them that is supernaturally generated? Not because Bruce is smart and wise, which he is, but because you're going to do something. So I want you to choose one of those pastors from that list of what I'll call kind of the, uh, what are they, what does the Big Ten call them? Legends and Legacy. These are kind of the Legends and Legacy group here, right? They're the ones that have been in Bloomington, uh, some of them for 30 years, some for 25. These guys have been here and been committed to the church, the, the church of Jesus in Bloomington for a number of years. Pick one from that, and then I want to pick one from the lower group, and lower doesn't mean lesser, I'm just saying it's a, you know, pick one from each group that you're going to, as much as you can remember, and even, here's another, even when I ride my bike, rode my bike by a church the other day, it was my marker. I was like, wait a minute, this is a church. Oh, I can, I can pray for Bruce Rose right now. And I'm riding my bike. Jesus, pour out your spirit on Bruce Rose. I didn't close my eyes because I was biking, okay? You don't have to close your eyes when you're praying, okay? You don't have to do this. Nothing. So do that. And what I've, when I've told some of these pastors already, I'm going to be asking you to pray for some of them. And what I have in the small print on here is praying for their church, that they love one another, Praying for the church that they see increase in baptism and conversions, and praying for that church that they would see increase in their financial resources. All right, because when there's people that are tithing and giving, that means there's a maturity in the church. All right, so again, not that you have to say those exact phrases every day, but pray along those lines if you, if you remember that. All right, that's okay. That's so pray for you, you and your family, pray for two Bloomington church pastors. Next one, pray for one person you know in Bloomington who's not yet a follower of Jesus. Jesus in John 17, he, did, he said at one point, he said, I'm not only praying for those of you who are my, my disciples, God. I'm praying for those who are going to come to know you through them. So he was praying for some of your friends and my friends who don't yet know Jesus. So I want you to identify one person. Again, maybe you remember to do it every day. Maybe you don't. Maybe, you, maybe you've already stopped. Maybe you thought, I'll do good if I can just pray for myself. That's all maybe you need to be doing. All right? But one person 
that when they come to mind, and maybe God will bring them to mind, or maybe there's certain, maybe you drive by their house, or if you work with them and you go by their cubicle, you think, Jesus, part your spirit on Bob. All right? Next one. This may be hard for some of you. <laughs> one civic leader in Bloomington. Now, one of the things we said at Exodus, we, we are for Bloomington. And actually, in 1 Timothy, Paul instructs Timothy to pray for those in governing authority over us. Whether you voted for them or not. Whether you like their politics or not. Right? And, he's, and Paul actually says, give thanks for them. So what I'm asking you to do is pick one of those six on there. I've listed the mayor of Bloomington, superintendent of schools, city council president, president of IU, chief of police, pro prosecutor. I don't ask, I'm not asking you to like these people. Some of you may have voted for them. Some of you may not. That's okay. But scripture commands us to pray for them and give thanks for them. So it may be hard for some of you, maybe not for others, to say, Jesus, thank you for Mayor Mark Cruzen. Jesus, thank you for President Michael McRobbie. That may have a hard time going off your lips, but it's a good thing for you to, practice, to do that because we're told to do that. And, in, and that's, you're saying, God, we pour out your spirit on these people. They may not even know you yet. We're not here to evaluate their spiritual lives because we don't know them personally. But I'm asking you to pick one of those people, some, and as much as you can daily or whatever, pray for that one person. Notice them in the paper when their name shows up in the paper. Maybe Google their name and see what's going on in their, in their issues and maybe figure out ways to pray for them, all right? Next one. This is the prayer. I'm going to pick one issue of spiritual oppression or biblical justice issue in Bloomington that you're going to pray that God would do something. And I've listed six. Homelessness, abortion, poverty, domestic abuse, sexual addiction, or chemical addiction. Choose one of those things that you're going to say, Jesus, will you pour out your spirit on people who are prisoners of those issues, all right? And may, again, pay attention in newspapers. You know, maybe you drive by Night Moves, the kind of sexual perversion place on South Walnut. If that's what you're praying for, maybe you pray, God, would you pour out your spirit on people who visit this place? Would you fill the thirst they have they think is going to be filled by sexual expression, but really is going to be filled by you? Or if you drive by, and there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol, but if you drive by Big Red Liquors, you might pray for those people who are addicted to alcohol and kind of the oppression that comes with that. All right? So whatever issue you choose, look for markers around town in the paper to remind you to pray for those things. All right? So that's, those, that's five things I'm going to ask you to pray for. Simple one-line prayers. If you, all you can remember is pour out your spirit on, you're there. All right? Um, and maybe, again, maybe, this, maybe five's too much for your day or whatever, but pick somebody to focus on and let God bring their focus. Next thing, two, two other things. Some of you have never done this before, and that's okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you to consider, I'm going to ask you to fast. At least a meal a day, if that's possible for you physically. And we don't fast to earn points with God. All right, let me say that again. You do not fast to earn points with God. It's not like, okay, if we're all fasting, we'll get enough points, and God will let us cash them in. You fast because Jesus said, you don't, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God this is what I'll simply say. When you're fasting, you refine your sense of hearing the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to random thoughts when you're fasting because your random thoughts are going to be, boy, I'm really hungry. Even a McDonald's hamburger looks good now. Let that hunger turn into a prayer and say, God, I want more of you in my life. And pay attention to any kind of invisible world kind of communication you're feeling. That's not a weird thing. 
It's just a real thing, all right? So if that's something, and then some of you may think, ah, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. The, the first five is enough for me. I'll be doing good if I do that. Again, this is, this is kind of freedom-based homework, all right? Choose a day of the week starting this week. And if you forget this week and you start next week, so get this, nobody's checking up on you. I think God's happy with whatever we offer him relationship-wise, all right? Um, again, not a legalist thing, but choose a day. And the last thing is, um, the last thing is uh, I will read. I'm going to encourage you to read sometime in the next six weeks the book of Acts to see what happened to people who were filled with the Holy Spirit and what happened to communities they were a part of, what happened to the church communities they were a part of, what happened to their relationships, what happened when you saw the increased boldness, increased passion, increased forgiveness, all kinds of increase. And then if, again, the, what we just started off reading the past scripture today, Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm going to challenge some of you to memorize that. And we're going to do it every Sunday for the next six weeks, so maybe you'll memorize it just by reading it Sunday morning. All right. So again, I want you to take this, and maybe if you look over it, you're like, you know, I can do this and this, but that's all I'm going to try. It's okay. Try whatever you think God is enabling you to try right now. It, you're not a superstar if you do it all, and you're not less than one if you don't. So whatever you feel like is going to be the stretch for you, um, that's what I want you to do. All right? Next week when you come, I'll actually have a little anonymous things where I ask people to check off what they're praying for so we can kind of have a sense of where God's leading us as a congregation, who to pray for and how. All right? Does that make sense? Now, um, what do I have on the next slide? Yeah, that's the question. Okay, here's the question. The question is why? Because, and I'm going to sit down here. My wife told me I, talk, I walk way too much when I talk, and I'm hard to f follow. And that's because I have too much coffee sometimes. So she told me to limit your coffee on Sunday mornings, and you wear me out by walking so much. So, again, I do whatever my wife tells me, like I said. Okay, so she didn't tell me to sit down. I'm just choosing to do this. Um, why, why do we do this? Is this just a good church activity? I mean, is this just like spiritual homework that good Christians do so... God lets us have more recess time? Or is there something really going on? Do we really believe that doing something where we push ourselves in the invisible world actually might have a result that is more than us have ever imagined? And maybe some of us have stopped even imagining because we're so cynical. All right? And, and when I say cynical, I'll, I'll say I've been there, and I probably have been there this week. All right? About does it really matter? I mean, Jesus said, ask in my name and I'll do it for you. And it's, of course, not a Santa Claus invitation. But he's saying, if you ask according to the way in which I have lived my life, in my name, my story, if you ask according to the way that I'm saying the world works, I'll do whatever you ask. And, and there, are, there is good reason to believe from the Bible that there's a lot of things God wants to give us, but he, the way he's wired us because he's given us the freedom of sover as being sovereign beings in a sense, he won't give unless we ask. I mean, my daughter, uh, Gretchen, works at Chocolate Moose. Anybody, any Chocolate Moose fans here? If you went to the window of Chocolate Moose and she was standing there in her brown T-shirt and her pink hat and you just stood there, she wouldn't get you anything. She's a nice person. She really is. She wouldn't get you a thing. Now, if you said, can I have a blizzard with gummy bears in it, she would actually make that for you because you asked her. And she's willing to do anything you ask her to do if you just ask her and pay for it. All right? But you understand, sometimes I think our a vision of prayer is... Oh, I better sit down again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sometimes I think our vision of prayer is, I should just sit by the window and God will give me whatever he wants to give me, even though I hate mint ice cream with gummy bears in it. That's probably what he'll give me, and I'll have to eat it and pretend like I like it. All right? Jesus says, ask me. So this, this phrase, Jesus, pour out your spirit on me, on Dan Hendricks, on my wife, on, on Mayor Cruzen. We're asking Jesus to do something. We're at the window, and he's ready to do something. And he's just ask. And, and, and one of the, th- and that's, you know, I've shared this before. Sometimes the cynical part of me, I think for all of us can relate to, is like, well, how do we know if Jesus really does? Well, let's ask. Let's try it. Let's have a six-week experiment. Let's ask. Let's see what Jesus does. And you might say, okay, what does it really mean if I'm asking Jesus to pour out his spirit on me? Um, here's how I've kind of seen that this week in my head. It's almost like I think I live, and maybe some of you live lives, and we're two-dimensional black and white characters just on a flat picture book. When I've been asking Jesus to pour out his spirit like on my wife, uh, this is the image that helps me. I kind of imagine my wife becoming three-dimensional in color, and it's like there's more to what God wants of her than a two-dimensional black and white life. And, and my wife is a great, I mean, she's a godly woman. I'm not saying, but that's how I'm, you know, I pray for Dan Hendricks. God pour your spirit on Dan Hendricks, and I see God is there's more you can fill him with. He can become fuller and stronger. He can become more three-dimensional and more in color. There's more you can do for him. There's more you can do in him. All right? So when I'm saying pour out my spirit, what happened in the Bible when the spirit was poured out on people? There was conviction of sin. Because if Jesus wants to pour out his spirit in you, or, or in the person you're praying for is not yet a follower of Jesus, the Spirit will actually, and Jesus says this later in his prayer in John 16, the Spirit convicts of sin. That's one of the things the Spirit does. So you're asking Jesus, pour out your Spirit on me. Expect some dramatic and a lot of joy, but also expect that he may say, hey, um, yeah, there's some obstacles right now I need to kind of take care of because there's no room for me to pour anything because you get this big block in there that's, oh, yeah, Jesus, that. Can you just ignore that, please? Because I, I kind of like doing that kind of thing. All right. That's one thing that happens when Jesus pours out his spirit. Another thing that happens in the book of Acts when he pours out his spirit is people become full of generosity toward one another. I mean, full of generosity. I mean, these were a bunch of, these were 11, 12 knuckleheads plus their other friends who didn't get what Jesus was talking about six weeks prior, and all of a sudden, boom, they're sharing with each other. They're taking care of people that have less than they do, and they have no really regard for their own bank account balance. And it's like, wow, I'd, I'd love to be that kind of person. Or when somebody, when Jesus pours out his spirit on you, you become, and I become uh, full of forgiveness toward that person who you just, I just can't forgive them. I mean, this week, I was kind of in my mind having this mental conversation with somebody I'm really irritated with lately. And I actually stopped and I said, okay, Jesus, pour out your spirit on them. Because I, I'm tired of having these mental fights in my mind with them. But Jesus, the best I can pray for them is, will you pour out your spirit on them? Would you do something great in their lives? And maybe there's things happening in their lives that are greater than in my life, but Jesus, pour out your spirit on them. I didn't put that on the list, but maybe you want to pick an enemy you pray for too. All right? Pour out your spirit on them. I mean, if, if you get nothing more than the one-line prayer, pour out your spirit on blank, 
then you, then you'll, I'll give you, then I, I'll give you an A plus. I don't know what God will give you, but I'll give you an A plus. If you get nothing else, put that line down, and just remember that as the line to pray for anybody and anything you come upon in the next few weeks. All right. So when the Spirit is poured on me, and I actually grabbed this this morning because I, I, I kind of had this image in my head. It's kind of like you know, if, if God's going to pour His Spirit on me, yeah, there's going to be conviction of sin, but there's going to be fullness of forgiveness, fullness of generosity, fullness of integrity, fullness of joy. Who wants to sign up for that? Don't raise your hand. Who wants to sign up for that? Fullness of joy. I mean, these, these people, these, and I keep calling them goofy knucklehead men because I'm one too from the disciples, and there, and there are women there too that were, I won't call them goofy knuckleheads. That sounds disrespectful, but they probably were too. All of a sudden, this, these, these fearful people like Peter who denied Jesus, and they all ran when Jesus was arrested that Thursday night. There's a boldness about them five weeks later, 50 days later, that's like, wow. Look at that boldness they have toward people. They don't care what people think about them. There was no fear of men anymore. They didn't care what people thought about them. So full of forgiveness, full of boldness, full of generosity, full of integrity, And I'll talk about this in a few weeks. You also see when, when the poor spirit was poured out on people and they became the three-dimensional in-color people God designed them to be with the life of God flowing out of them, Satan went berserk and persecution started happening. James lost his head, literally. James's head was cut off. So we're not just saying, hey, this is going to be, woo, we're going to pray for Bloomington and everything's going to change. God will do great things when we ask him. But we live in a world at war, and Satan will do everything he can to push back. And even this week, you might say, well, I'm going I'm to fast on Monday or Wednesday this week. I guarantee you decide to fast on Wednesday. Somebody's going to offer you a great lunch on Wednesday, and you're going to be like, oh, man. You still might want to say yes. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you anything you resolve to do in the, next couple, in the next week, something will push back against it. But don't let that stop you. Keep pushing. Keep going. Um. I was telling my wife last night, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. And I told, I told somebody this a couple weeks ago at a Starbucks when we were talking. I have no desire for Exodus to be um, a church of people who we have good programs, we have nice people, and we do good things. That bores me. Yes, I want us to be nice people doing good things. I want our kids to be well-behaved. I want our marriages to be healthy. But I think Jesus had a much bigger picture for what he wanted his church to be. He wanted his church to be transformational in the world they lived in. And for most of us here, we live in Bloomington, Indiana right now. And I believe God wants us to be a part of changing Bloomington. And that doesn't, please don't understand that as being egotistical or arrogant or dramatic or grandiose. It's just what I think the church is supposed to be about. We're not about us. We're about pouring ourselves out. So when the Spirit's poured on us, then our calling is to pour ourselves out. And like I used to complain to God, I was like, God, but if I pour myself out and nobody's pouring into me, then I can do the math. Pretty soon I'm worn out and weary. And that's where Jesus said, yeah, but that's where you need my Spirit to pour it on you. And I was like, yeah, but do I, I really don't want to depend on you, God. Well, yeah, you, and then I realized, well, that's kind of what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to depend on God. So Jesus, would you pour out your Spirit on me? Would you pour out your spirit on those who govern over us in Bloomington? Will you pour out your spirit on the issues of sexual immorality and poverty in Bloomington? 
And maybe in those prayers, some of us might actually realize God's calling us to do something about it. I mean, there are people here involved in various ministries and initiatives that deal with those issues. But there may be ways where they're like, oh, I'm going to pray for that. I think God's putting that in my heart to start doing this now. And maybe you start praying for the mayor or the school superintendent or the IU president, and you start looking at, at them in a different way. You still may not vote for them or want their policies to be, uh, that, 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 that's, that's, that's incidental to God. He tells us to give thanks for them and to pray for them. And if we want to see the lands, I, I, I had this picture and I didn't get it all, I forgot to pick it up where I got it printed off. It was a Google Earth picture of Bloomington, Indiana. All right? Because that's, that's, that's how I think God sees things. He's a, God invented Google Earth. You know, um, and it was, this, it was this picture of, okay, I think the hand of God really is like this. He wants to pour out on Bloomington, but he wants us to ask him to do that. There's a, uh, John Wesley, the guy who's named after Wesleyanism and Methodism. One of his statements is, um, he won't if we don't. It's like God won't do anything unless we ask him. And some of you might say, wait a minute, God's sovereign. He'll do whatever he wants to do. But my response to that is, yes, but in his sovereignty, he gave authority of the world over to human beings. And he wants us to ask him, hey, would you pour out your spirit? Starting with me. And again, that may be the best some of you can do. And that's, that's A plus right there. If you ask, if you just, if, if that's all you do to pray in the next week or six weeks, that's a huge win. Because God will do what you ask him to do. Expect that. We, uh, whoa. you know, when I was a school teacher, stuff like that happened all the time, but anyway. And, and, and like anything else, even like this little assignment, nothing's clean. You're going to mess up. It's okay. Jesus doesn't sit up there like, oh, you forgot to pray today. You didn't, you know, you, you didn't pray that particular line. Bad. I mean, that's not how Jesus is. He loves conversation. And whatever you offer him, take the next step and offer him more. And I'm going to, just for the sake of a picture, I'm pouring this grape juice back into here. And as we take communion, which we do every week at Exodus, take communion every week because we acknowledge that Jesus is the source of life and his spirit that he sent is the source of life. And as I, uh, just symbolically, you know, Jesus, would you pour out your spirit on every single person here? You said in your word that you pour out on young and old, on men and women, and on PhDs and GEDs. You pour out your spirit. You are no respecter of persons. And so, Jesus, I pray that every single person that comes up here this morning because they say they want more of you and more of your spirit, I pray that you would honor their heart by pouring out your spirit into them because that's what you said you'd do, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross where you gave your body and you gave your blood so we can have new life. That's what you said you would do, and we believe that's what you will do. And so we're grateful, Jesus. And we ask this all in Christ's name, amen. Here's how we do it at Exodus. We'll, uh, once we start singing a few more songs, you're free to come up for communion. We don't dismiss by rows. We don't check your church ID card. Nobody has those anyway, but we don't check those. You come up, there'll be somebody here, offer you bread, tear off a piece, offer you the cup, just dip it in. Don't try to drink out of the cup. Dip it in the cup. Most people eat it right there. Some people take it back to the seat. You can do whatever, all right? 
And uh, some of you also, there's a prayer room that we have. The people will be over there. And if you simply want to go back there and just say, could you pray that Jesus would pour a spirit on me? Maybe you want someone else to pray with you. Go back there. And there's no, my, my wife went back there last week. I've gone back there. There's no shame in going back there. We don't mark people go back there as the less than. Sometimes there's a great deal of honor to have that kind of uh, responsiveness to God. All right? So let's sing and let's take.